Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. News Radio 840 WHAS welcomes you to Jim Strader Outdoors, the area's leading authority on hunting and fishing. Jim Strader Outdoors is brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. For the outdoor home of your dreams, call Paul Thomas at 270-524-1980. Gary Roman's Firearm Service Center. Linden Animal Clinic, your pet's best friend. Sportsman's Taxidermy. Visit them at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. A.N. Roth Heating and Cooling, a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in the Louisville area. Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Check Jim and his team on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions. And SMI Marine, getting your boat back on the water in no time. To join in on the conversation, call us at 571-8484 inside Louisville, 1-800-444-8484 outside of the metro, and pound 840 for Verizon wireless callers. Now, sit back and relax and enjoy the next two hours of Jim Strader Outdoors. We came from the West Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western Stars. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. We can skin a buck. Run a trot line and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Good evening, everybody. Jim Strader here in the studio and delighted to be back. With you once again. Been pretty active this week, even though the uh, bout with the flu continued to hold me in its grasp a little bit. But I'm beyond the worst of it now, I believe. And so I'm the kind of guy, uh, I can't sit around very long. It makes me rattle. So uh, I got out in the field a couple times this week. Had uh, a little squirrel dog foxy out again and had a really, really... Nice hunt that cemented an observation I'm going to make about squirrels and those of you who like to hunt winter squirrels, either with or without dogs, both are fun. And I've done a whole lot more of the without dogs than I have with dogs in my previous hunting years. But I really enjoy watching a dog and being out with a dog. And this time of year is the perfect time to do that. And what I observed was the squirrels have started their breeding cycle or rut. Um, the fox squirrels in particular have kicked it off, which is fairly normal. They seem to kick things in gear a little sooner than the grays. And the grays extend theirs out a little longer, too. And I think a lot of that's because of the difference in their uh, overall breeding cycles as it pertains to the summer 
season. There's a lot of little bitty gray squirrels out here, and some of those will be late coming into estrus, which will extend the gray squirrel rut, whereas fox squirrels seem to just be you know, pretty much on par in their development by the time we get to the winter period. And this is pretty much right on line with what I've seen through the years. Uh, my little dog's in her 10th season now. And, of course, I had hunted with other folks with dogs prior to that and had very similar observations. And it's normally about the middle of December that the fox squirrels start to rut and then the grays are just a little behind, but sometimes they're right right together. And uh, it's a whole lot of fun to be out in the woods with a dog at that period because the squirrels are out of the dens a lot and they're engaging in rut chases where three or four males will be in hot pursuit of a uh, female squirrel, similar to what you see in deer. And uh, for that reason, a lot of times when the dog will tree, there'll be several in the same tree. And also for folks who just like to roam the woods, uh, this is a time of year, even though the leaves are off, you can enjoy some great success because the squirrels, again, are active, they're out moving, and it's a, a great time to be out and do some scouting and just kind of get in tune with nature. So I wanted to pass that along. Um, big news, of course, is the muzzleover season, which is on right now. And I had reported on my Facebook page at Jim Strader Outdoors that a lot of you were probably going to encounter uh, second rut activity. There were a lot of bucks starting to roam and cruise uh, with the onset of that full moon here uh, just a couple of days ago, and it kicked a lot of estrus into gear with those that either did not conceive uh, during the first cycle in November, the normal time when, when they're in estrus. And it also, this particular moon, uh, brought some of the young does that weren't old enough to go in their first heat cycle into estrus and... This had a lot of the deer out in Rome, and I had scattered reports from all over the state from very, very reliable sources about this activity, and it mirrored what I had seen when I was out. I saw a lot of new buck sign, a lot of scraping activity, uh, a lot of uh, young bucks out chasing, and so it was uh, pretty obvious to me that that's what we were going to see, and I would obviously love to hear from any of you that were out over the weekend and what you observed. I was in the stand yesterday afternoon and saw some bucks that were cruising, but they were young bucks. I didn't see anything I wanted to shoot, but they were definitely dog and does and paying attention to what was going on. Kept waiting for the big one to appear, but it did not. But I still had a real good sit and was tickled that I could be out there. Obviously, I was boxed out today, but... This weather that we've got is going to be conducive to a good muzzleloader season in that it's going to be cold, it's going to be damp, uh, gray days when deer are apt to move more during daylight. And uh, if you can stand being out in the weather, it's it certainly ought to provide impetus for good deer movement. So, uh, again, in that regard, would love to hear from what you folks have seen. Uh, some other wildlife notes I wanted to pass along. Looks like we got a really good rabbit crop to me. My friends and I have been out a couple of times now, 
and I was seeing lots of rabbits throughout the summer period into early fall, and now that the crops are out and the conditions are good for the dogs to run because it's a little cooler, we're encountering lots of rabbits, lots of young rabbits uh, in the bay, and uh, we're we're observing a, probably, I'd say, a, a, an above average of rabbits that are very small, late-born rabbits in the bay. So if you're a rabbit hunter, I would certainly love to hear from you about what you've observed out there. I know it's been difficult to get in the field. I continue to lament the fact that the way the deer seasons are spread out, gun deer that is, that it's very, very difficult for folks who love to rabbit hunt with dogs to get out in the field for fear of interfering with other fellows' hunts or gals' hunts. And that's a lament I have about squirrel season as well. It's like small games uh, just at the back of the train on that, and that's unfortunate because a whole lot of people would love to participate. But if you have a comment about that, I'd love to hear about it. I certainly uh, avoid any type of, of interference with other folks' hunts. So I uh, stay out of the field during the period when, when gun hunting is on, unless I'm on a property where I know I'm not going to interfere with something. But those are rare indeed with the number of folks that deer hunt. So we're going to do open lines tonight. Uh, specifically, would love to hear from those of you who have comments about our deer season, whether whether it was modern gun, bow, uh, this late muzzleloader. I'm real keen to hear from those of you who were out this weekend to see if you saw any rut activity, new scraping, new rub lines, et cetera, and most importantly, bucks seeking or chasing does. I would also love to hear from you rabbit hunters, as I just mentioned, or any of you other small game folks out there. I have run into several coveys of quail uh, already when I was out rabbit hunting, and they're on properties where – uh, we don't harvest them. We're trying to get them built back up. And I will tell you that warm season grass plots have been the key to most of that uh, desire to build coveys of quail on properties. If you have warm season grass plots that are large enough to deter coyotes and other predators and have any decent food source there for the quail, it seems as if, given time, they will reestablish, and and you'll have some birds on your property. And in my estimation, warm season grasses, in contiguous fashion, by that I mean farm to farm, area to area, is the only thing that's going to bring the quail back to to very respectable numbers. But I have seen some excellent results on some of the properties we manage, and and uh, would love to see more of that. So. Again, we'd love to hear from you tonight. It's open lines. It's what you want to talk about. We can cover anything from gun legislation to conservation to uh, duck hunting. Love to hear from you duck hunters that were out during that special little uh, short season during the holidays. I participated in that as well. Um, And I had a real good hunt, so I enjoyed that. And I love to eat ducks, so that was something that was very special to me. The numbers tonight, as usual, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Got to go to break. The break is presented by my friends at SMI Marine. 
11400 Westport Road. They're getting ready for the sport boat and vacation show. Going to have a great layout of boats there at the show, and we'll be talking about that. And got some big news coming from SMI here in short order, so I'll keep you posted with that. Remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And again, open lines tonight, folks. The numbers to reach us, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Again, I'm very interested in hearing from you folks that have been out muzzleload hunting, what you've seen. This has been a up-and-down weather pattern we've experienced here recently, and that's, I guess, Probably not a big surprise to most of us because I think we're probably in for a sloppy, snowy, cold winter. Uh, it certainly seems to be setting up that way. We're skating right on the edge of some ugly weather right now, actually. If it were a little colder, we could uh, end it up with a pretty hard snow. But I think most of that's going to skate north of us uh, up into portions of southern Indiana and above. But... Um, We've certainly had our spate of wet weather for this time of year, and and it's uh, it's created a situation going into winter where there's going to be a lot of critters hustling for food, I'm afraid. I know most of my food plots uh, were not in the best of shape, quite frankly, because of the drought uh, during my normal planting period, which... You know, I'm a guy that goes by the averages, not by the aberrations. And it seemed as if we just entered a period there where the lack of rain put everything way behind the eight ball. And by the time it got going, it got decent rain, but then we were running out of hours of daylight. By that, I mean shorter days, which, of course, doesn't provide as much photosynthesis for the plants. And while they were good plots... They weren't great plots, and given the weather that we've had, they're already getting hammered. I was uh, sitting over one of my uh, food plots yesterday and was really shocked to see how far they had grubbed it down. Now, having said that, there's a whole lot of critters gained up on that particular uh, piece of property. We've got about a two-acre food plot on a, on a small piece of acreage, and I— no exaggeration, I bet there was 50 turkeys out there hammering at it, and uh, half a dozen deer came in over the course of the afternoon, and and uh, we've been seeing quite a few deer there uh, up until recently. And of course, the clovers are still pretty good right now. They're not totally smoked out yet, uh, which is in half the plot. In the other half, we had winter wheat, ryegrass, uh, canola, and uh, some other uh, clover, and 
it held up pretty well, but now I notice it is getting very, very thin. And, of course, that kind of makes you worry about what's going to come in January. But the deer will spread out and obtain sustenance wherever they can. I guess some of the good news is the honeysuckle and uh, briar and some of the other things that deer turn to later in the year are still in pretty good shape. So uh, hopefully they'll have enough to eat as a backup in those areas. And the red oak acorn crop is still holding up fairly well. The red oaks uh, are much more impervious to the weather than the white oak acorns. When the white oak acorns, which incidentally dropped early, uh, get rained on and get warm, they tend to sprout. Once they start to sprout, uh, they're, they're susceptible to rot, and the critters don't like them as well. I'm not saying they won't eat them. I've killed turkeys and deer with uh, sprouted acorns in them, but generally speaking, they much prefer those that are not. And the red oak, of course, has more tannic acid in it, which makes it less palatable to the deer than the white oak. But by the same token, it also makes it much hardier uh, as a food source. So in God's plan, what does that mean? They eat the sweeter acorns first, fatten up for the period during the rut, being the white oaks. Then as the season progresses, they turn to the less palatable but uh, nearly as nutritious red oak acorns to get them through the winter. And when you start scratching your head about the way those things work, in my estimation, you can't help uh, turn your mind toward the Lord because the plan is magnificent to behold. It truly is. So uh, those are some of my observations. There's a good beech nut crop uh, this time as well, and beech nuts hold up pretty well to the weather. There again, they're a, a food source that's not as sought after as the white oak acorns. The, the white oak acorn, in many regards, drives the train in areas where we have uh, forest game animals. The squirrels are highly dependent upon them because they are very nutritious and it doesn't require much energy to cut a, a white oak acorn. The shell is fairly thin, and again, they don't have the tannic acid, so it enables the squirrels to fatten up on them at the same time the deer do. Raccoons, the same way. A lot of people don't realize, but raccoons dearly love white oak acorns. Um, and, and what I call wax fat on them. What I mean by that is that they feed on them and, and develop fat to get them through the winter period when they go into periods of semi-hibernation just like the squirrels do in, um, in the scientific community. They call it pseudo-hibernation, which is probably a, a very appropriate term, actually. But um, then when the turkeys and deer turn on to the white oaks, we all know what happens. They... Uh, so many people that uh, have feeders out with corn in them uh, prior to deer season, they'll put the corn out and it'll sit there and sit there, and I get frequent calls about that, and it's always the same. Why aren't the deer coming to the corn? What's what's the matter here? There's nothing to matter. The deer are turning towards the natural food, which provides, in many regards, better nutrition than corn. And they're going to do that as long as it's available to them. And we all know when the deer take to the oak flats, they kind of disappear from the field edges and and are actually more comfortable feeding during daylight hours back in the woods than they are out in 
in open fields or settings where most folks have their feeders. So it's not a mysterious thing. It's it's a very natural thing. And they know that with the high carbohydrate content in white oak acorns, they can develop a lot of fat reserve to go into the rut and subsequently be in good body shape to go in the winter. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. The numbers 571-8484 and one 800 444-8484. The break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas is a broker there. Great hunting properties, outdoor vacation homes, and farms for sale. Check them out. M-O-P-H-A-R-T Realty.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. All right. All right. Uh, welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, the numbers tonight, 571-8484, 1-800-444-8484. And again, we're doing open lines tonight. I want to talk to you about what's on your mind about great outdoors, deer season, small game season, duck season, whatever the case may be. I'd love to chat with you about what you're observing out there because it has been a very, very unusual weather year, which has driven a lot of unusual circumstances, I would say, uh, our way in, in many regards. We had, of course, the tumultuous rains in the spring, high water, uh, tough fishing conditions in many, many regards, caused uh, problems down the road with uh, some of the oxygen levels in the lakes this fall. Uh, A lot of the creeks got down so low that there were fish kills in many of the creeks, the smaller ones in particular, and of course they'll have to be brought back up to speed by the rising waters next spring. Hopefully there'll be movement of fish up out of the major tributaries that feed those smaller creeks, but that's been a that's been a real problem uh, this year, and, and a lot of those pools went totally dry. Of course, that drought-like condition brought about a new run of the EHD. Um, you know, that continues to be a problem where I can remember not so many years ago, that was a very odd occurrence. Um, and it seems as if it's it's raised its ugly head in subsequent years. Most of you remember last year, uh, we had a big EHD outbreak in eastern Kentucky. And that was an area that was very hard hit. Um, this year, we had a a run of it here in, in central Kentucky, and some of the areas were very, very hard hit. Uh, I had a lot of reports about that, and the epicenter of EHD in our immediate area was in southern Indiana. Uh, the counties up and down the river uh, got hammered in a lot of places, and I'm continuing to get calls from folks who are finding uh, dead deer 
uh, especially big bucks. You know, they're down to mostly bones and and a skull at this point. But it's been a been a hard time for a lot of the deer hunters in southern Indiana. And I'd love to hear from some of you folks there. I hunt there a lot, and I know what I've seen is a real drop in deer numbers in a lot of the counties. And that occurred even prior to this EHD epidemic. And then the EHD hit and rim-wrecked a lot of the buck component. So it's been a pretty tough ride over in that area for deer hunters here for the last two to three years. Numbers in some of the counties were down, and folks just aren't seeing the deer they used to. And a lot of you fellows and gals that I've talked to feel like they may have overdone the the, uh, extra deer harvest. Uh, over there, and then you get hit by EHD, and then you're really set back. So we'll we'll see what that uh, portends, but love to hear from you folks about your observations. Let's go to Mike, who's on hold here, wants to talk about deer hunting. Yes, Mike, you're up. Yes, sir. We're down here in Peachtree City, Georgia, so we need some legit information. When we was up during rifle season, we are hunting over in Livingston County, and uh, – the deer were pounding the beans like all get out. And uh, so we're going to come up and hunt for two or three days with a smoke poles. And we're wondering, the beans got cut last Friday. So we're just wondering if the beans, you know, how long are they going to hit these cut bean fields or should we hunt something else? Well, with the weather we're having, Mike, uh, I'm surprised they were that late getting the beans out down in Livingston County, but be that as it may, how big a field is we talking about? I would say there's about 60 acres and, you know, beans. And then on the other side of the gravel road across from that was corn, but that got cut, you know, real early. Probably. Yeah, like the end of October. Right, right. So it's long gone. Yeah. I got you. Well, the bean field will hold for a little while because if they waited that long to harvest, there's going to be a lot of those beans hit the ground. You know, they're going to shatter a lot of those bean Uh pods when they harvest. However, it's going to get pretty wet here the next couple of days, but you're only looking at, you know, till the end of next weekend anyway. So, yeah, I'd give it it a try. I will tell you this, if I didn't see much activity the first day out, I'd ride another horse pretty quick. How many days can you hunt? Uh, We can hunt. We're going to hunt Monday evening, and we got till Thursday morning. I see. Okay. So basically basically six hunts, you know, uh, three evenings and three mornings. I got you. Well, here would be my recommendation. I'd hunt the bean field in the evenings and hunt the woods in the mornings back towards the bed areas. That'd, right. that'd be the way I'd play that. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, I really appreciate the uh, uh, letting us get in and uh, get a good question answered. And Now, what about the uh, hay fields? I know every now and then they like to hit the hay fields. We've got a couple of small hay fields that are probably, you know, the biggest one's maybe 20 acres, okay. and the other one's maybe, you know, not quite that size, but it's real good stuff. All right. Well, there's hay fields and there's hay fields. Do you know what's planted in them? I know that one uh, 
the whatever's in I, I know the one has about three kinds of grasses, and I know one has some Timothy in it because I know the landowner, he that's why he feeds his horses out of that field right there. That's his horse hay okay. pasture. All right, that, that answers one of my questions. Timothy, not so much. Uh, uh-huh. I'd, I'd much rather be sitting over the bean field that was just harvested or, again, in the woods near the areas where there's browse indoor known bedding areas. Uh, the other field, is it in alfalfa or clover, or do you know? Uh, no, it's just more your basic uh, wide variety of, you know, Kentucky grasses, and it don't have any clover in it, uh, nothing. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure what that, you know, grass type is called. I don't think it's fescue because I've never seen it get that tall and have, uh, you know, that type of a seed head on it. But. Well, it's, it's probably a mixture of orchard grass and, and timothy if he's uh, feeding horses. Yeah. So I, yes, not so much. That wouldn't be one of my number one go-tos for this time of year. Now, okay. earlier in the year it would, especially after the yeah. freshly cut. But now that uh, some of those grasses are in remission from the cold weather, I don't know that that would be something that would attract me a whole lot. That's gotcha. Well, all right. Well, I appreciate the answers and uh, and the time on your show. Yes, sir. Are you from Peachtree City? Uh, actually, I live in Florida, but uh, we're in Peachtree City now camping out for the night so we didn't have to drive oh, I 13 see. hours nonstop. And uh, my daughter seems to complain after about the first 444 <laughs> miles. And, you know, once that hardy starts wearing off, you know how that goes. <laughs> I, I sure do. Whereabouts in Florida are you from? By curiosity. We're down at Wheeling. As, as bad as I hate to say it, we live down there near Mickey Mouse, so we're right down there in the heart of the heavy-duty, you know, population where your average speed on the interstate is about 30 miles an hour. Yeah, I heard that. Okay. Well, thanks for calling in. I hope that information proves valuable to you, Mike. Okay. Well, we, we'll, uh, we'll uh, see if we can't get in. We got your number, and if we have a, a good report, we'll call you on the way back. All right, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate the call. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They're at 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Gene Snyder, an easy shot for most of you out there. If you have not winterized your boat yet, I heavily recommend you get on with it. Take it over there. They'll be glad to walk you through that, do any repairs you might need here at the end of the boating season. And, again, they're gearing up for the Sport Boat and Vacation Show, which, of course, is just around the corner. Remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back. Again, open lines tonight, folks. We want to talk about what's on your mind, about the great outdoors in that regard. The numbers, as always, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. We were talking uh, earlier a, a little bit about ducks in the early duck season, which seems to have been fairly productive to most of the waterfowl hunters that I talked to, there was a very decent amount of resident waterfowl uh, in the area, and it provided a, a 
that unique early opportunity, that first crack at birds that hadn't been harassed or hunted much yet, which, of course, leads to uh, much more consistent work over the decoys. By that, I mean they're not as wary as they'll be after they've been shot at as they come down the flyways. And uh, looking forward to see what kind of push we get as we move through the holidays. It, It seems as if every year in our area there is a pretty strong weather push uh, by that, I mean some hard weather that hits between Christmas and New Year's that does drive some migratory birds down our way. We haven't seen so much of that yet, but uh, I think we will. And it should occur probably about exactly where I'm talking about. I haven't looked at the extended long-range forecast because that's far enough out. It's very hard to predict. But generally speaking, that period right there is what kicks off some of the the better hunting that we have around the region during that period. So uh, obviously that'll be something for you waterfowlers to look forward to. I did notice uh, last week, actually the week before last, into last week, the migration by the Sandhill Cranes through this area was unbelievable. Huge numbers of those birds came through. Uh, just in a about a two to three day period, it, it wasn't the scattering like we normally see. This was an unbelievably big push of birds. I had folks all across the region uh, comment about seeing them, and they were thousands and thousands of them left uh, the areas up north because of all that snow and cold weather that got dumped into Wisconsin and northern Illinois and those areas, and and uh, they made their big push. So that's something that's. Uh, Definitely a kind of a, a front end, if you will, of, of the migrational patterns that we'll see from from waterfowl as, as the time moves on. Let's go to Alan, who's on hold, uh, wants to talk about gun legislation. Yes, Alan. Hey, Jim. Uh, I didn't know. I, I didn't get to listen to the first part of the program. I, I wondered if you were aware of these pre-filed bills. There's five of them uh, that have been filed to um, – do away with the uh, the law that eliminated the concealed carry bill. There's one of them. Uh, there was four others that involved similar to what they're doing in Virginia. Uh, they they filed them after the election. Uh, there was one uh, George Brown in Lexington filed a bill, uh, um, and I don't remember the other legislators, but one out of the Louisville district, one out of the Bowling Green district, and. I think it was northern Kentucky, and uh, there were gun buyback uh, bills, uh, a magazine restriction bill. There's five of them. You can look them up on the KRS, uh, I mean the LRC website. They were pre-filed. Okay. I don't know what that means. I got I got a wind of it the other day. I don't know what that means. Does someone have to sponsor it? Uh, do they have to have another sponsor? I'm not sure how that works, but... I read these things, and uh, they were very disturbing, and especially to me since, you know, what happened in Virginia. We've got now this – there's a congressman there that threatened to send out the National Guard to confiscate people's guns. And when I hear that kind of thing, we need to, we need to pay attention uh, because, uh, you know, this kind of stuff, they're getting more and more uh, aggressive and – it's it bothers me. So I didn't know if you you know, and it affects hunting weapons. I know a 
friend of mine, his granddaughter killed her first uh, buck this year with a with a AR-15, uh, something that she could handle and shoot, and uh, he yeah, was that, with her. But yeah, that, uh, so it affects it affects those magazines, it affects your your ARs and all those weapons, and uh, people need to know about this. And I, I just wanted you to bring it up or maybe mention it uh, if you if you were aware of it. Uh, I am aware of it. We talked about it pretty extensively on the program last okay. week. Uh, if you okay, can, I didn't hear. I'm sorry, I didn't get to listen last week. So. That's per- that's perfectly okay, and I don't mind you bringing it up again. I have some thoughts, if you don't mind, to what you just Go. shared with us. Go ahead. The first is uh, politicians who are grandstanding with this type of legislation need to realize they do so at their own political peril. Uh, I, I can tell you in Kentucky that type of legislation, I fully expect it to be DOA. By that, I mean dead on arrival if it actually yeah. hits the floor. Uh, there's too many uh, politicians in the state that are in line with uh, people having gun rights, and uh, I, I just don't think it's going to get anywhere. And, and this uh, gentleman you're talking about that, that talked about the National Guard going to confiscate people's weapons. That's uh, a tyrannical thought, <laughs> thought process. But he was, hey, he was serious, though. Well, he's probably seriously yeah. going to lose his, his seat in the legislature. Well, I, I, I would hope so. Uh, uh, the, the, well, I just... Uh, the other I thing I wanted to pass your... along, and this is a, a note of reference for a lot of the politicians who perhaps are not ardent gun owners, but believe in protection. I am sick and tired of hearing these ARs referred to as assault weapons because they're defense weapons as well. And our ability to defend ourselves against perpetrators relies upon us having the same type of weaponry as the criminals have. And I've talked about that extensively and what I, what I, think folks need to realize that AR platform that we're talking about, which they like to call an assault weapon, is one of the most popular hunting rifles out there today. So It sure is. Yeah. Uh, there's unintended consequences to those type of legislative efforts, and, and uh, I think those folks need to be held accountable at the voting booth, and I will do my best to keep people abreast of, of those things, and I uh, appreciate you bringing it up, Alan. Well, I think if they're out there listening, and I'm, I'm sure some of them do listen to this program, I just went and bought one. I didn't have one. And after Mr. Uh, O'Rourke made his comments, uh, I went out and bought one, and I, I say to him, if you want mine, you come get it. Yep. Um, I hear you. Yeah. I, you, you, I, you just go ahead and try. I hear you. So All anyway, right. Alan, I got to go to break, but I deeply appreciate okay, the call and, and your information. All right, folks, got to go to break here. The break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas is a broker. Give him a shout. He's got a lot of properties you'll be interested in. M-O-P, H-A-R-T, Realty.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.